Good evening, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is the podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I'm your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd. And tonight's episode is entitled, Visitors, from, well, you'll get the gist of it once you hear these two stories. (laughs) So, without further ado, this is Terror Radio. The two radio series highlighted tonight are, The Hall of Fantasy, and Lights Out. Our first radio play is called, Out of the Sky. And it was first broadcasted on Hall of Fantasy, April 30th, 1953. Following that is the radio play Meteor Man. And this was first broadcasted on Lights Out, June 16th, 1937. So, you all know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Out of the Sky, followed by Meteor Man.
here's the last of those reports, Jeff. I can't understand it, Tom. A man and his wife who died. An airplane that crashed. Several people killed in their cars. And several mysterious explosions. I just can't understand it. Mm, sabotage, maybe. Hmm? I don't think so. Sabotage involves destruction of a country's production potential. Propaganda. That kind of thing. These people who died in their cars. A man and wife they found dead in their home. That's not sabotage. They don't work that way. Why is it happening, then? I don't know. That's what's almost driving me crazy. These people have died, except in the smash-ups. There isn't a mark on them. Nothing to show how they died. No clues. Nothing at all. One thing. Do you notice how this has all been centered in one section of the country? Yes, in the southeast. Not far from the Atlantic coast. Mm -hmm. And around this one town, right here in the map. One isolated town. There's a report here I didn't show you, Tom. No? What is it? Came in a short while ago. Traces of radioactivity have been found at each scene of disaster. Radioactivity? That's correct. Carlton here. Yes, Tom Dakin's in here right now. It has us puzzled too, Major. No, we haven't learned anything else. Yes, sir. Yes, I understand. Goodbye. That was Major Williams. Mm, so I gathered. He wants us to go down there. Oh, when? Just as soon as possible. He says he's pretty sure this isn't sabotage. That he thinks there's something far more terrible than that in back of it. Tom Dakin and I got reservations on the first plane out. For reasons of security, after the first few reports, a censorship had been placed on any further news from the disaster area. We landed at one of the southeastern coastal cities and took a train the rest of the way. Chief said he'd wait out in the car for us. He's probably tired of seeing these places. Hmm. Now, the chalk lines on the floor show where they found the bodies. And these pictures show us the position they were in. Yes, but they don't tell us anything. Let's check the radioactivity. Use your Geiger counter. Right. And that's radioactive, all right. Move over a little closer to where the bodies were lying. Jeff! Yes? they say the reading was before? Two. Well, something's crazy then. This reading is 4.3. What? That's right. That must mean the radioactivity is increasing. But how? I don't know that answer any more than... Listen. What do you hear? Turn that Geiger counter off. Right. Now. Do you hear it? Yes. Like a... Like a high-frequency hum. Where's it coming from? You tell me. What's that? From outside. Come on, we'd better see what it was. Tom. Yes, I see it. Well, that police car was waiting for it. There's nothing there now but a pile of smoking metal. We'll return to the tale of Out of the Sky in just a moment.
the tale of Out of the Sky. Tom Dakin and I had been inspecting the house of the couple who had mysteriously been killed. Outside, a car waited for us. Suddenly, we had heard a strange humming sound of a high frequency. And then we had heard the explosion outside. We ran outside only to discover that the police car was a mass of smoking wreckage. Tom, there's nothing left but a pile of smoking metal. Yes, I see it. What could have happened? I don't know. We'd better send a wire to Williams and get him out here. I don't like the looks of this. We got back to the hotel as soon as we could. We decided to call Williams when they got there, but upon arrival, we discovered that Williams had sent us a wire saying he would join us just as soon as possible. He came in on the noon train the following day. Radioactivity. Yes, I know. The original reading was less than two. Now it's four three. What? That's right. And I might as well tell you what I know. We've received a report from an airline pilot about a strange ship. Oh? Yes, that's right. According to what he said, it didn't look like anything he'd ever seen before. That there wasn't a silhouette of any ship on Earth that looked like what he saw. What did it look like? It was circular in design. Like... Yes, that's right. We told you about what happened last night. Yes. It's a good thing you weren't in that car. Who are they? Visitors from out of the sky, Dick. Out of the sky? Out of space, if you prefer. And you believe the pilot's story? Yes, I do. But why did they come here? Well, they're not friendly. We're sure of that. And they're concentrating on this area. That means their ship is somewhere around here. We have to find that ship. No matter what the cost, it and they must be destroyed. out of the town proper so as not to frighten the citizens. Another battalion would arrive the following morning and then would begin the long search to locate the mysterious visitors out of the sky. About 7.30 that evening, Tom Dakin went out to visit some of the places where the accidents had occurred. We had set up camp with the troops on the edge of town. It was 9 o'clock when he returned. Yes? Major Williams. What is it, Tom? I went out to where some of those automobile crashes took place. Yeah. I took the Geiger counter along. What happened? The reading's up again. It's over five. Did you check just one site? No, no, no. Three of them. The reading's over five in each place, and one of them was close to six. It means that radioactivity is increasing. But why? And another thing. The area of radioactivity seems to be spreading. Spreading. That's right. Jeff and I checked them yesterday. Now, one of the officials with us said the area seemed larger than it was before. Tonight, I discovered it was larger than it had been yesterday, and I'll lay even odds it'll increase by tomorrow. Come here a minute. I have a map here with every site in which an accident occurred. Let's take a look at it. For one thing, all those little marks you have on that map seem to be in a definite pattern. Yes, I noticed that earlier. Look, the whole town is encircled by these spots. And they seem to be spaced at regular intervals throughout the town, too. And they spread. What did you say, Major? Each of those little spots you see on the map represents a radioactive area, Carlson. A radioactive area that is spreading all the time. It's like a fire. See how the town is ringed with those little spots? And see how they're spaced inside the town? 
The area of radioactivity is moving in from outside the town, and from those spots inside, it will spread and move out. Spread like a fire until the whole town is nothing but a mass of radioactivity. And the people must be evacuated. That's right, just as soon as possible. Major Williams, come to see you, sir. I told me you're the man I should see. Major Williams? Yes. My name's Kincaid. I own a farm about 15 miles from what here. What did you want to see me about, Mrs. Kincaid? I'm a spinster, Major. It's missed. I'm sorry. You shouldn't stand on ceremony, I guess. I saw something funny I think you ought to know about. For heaven's sakes, what is it? I got a lot of property, Major. And there's a lot of woods on it. I was out this evening just walking around the place. I like to do that, you know. I was walking down near the South 40. That's where the woods is the thickest. And I heard a, a queer humming sound. Like a high-frequency hum? I don't know what frequency it was. It was just a hum. I didn't know what it was. I walked into the woods anyway. And then I saw it. What did you see? Funniest looking thing I ever saw in my life. Big and round. And it glowed. It seemed to be surrounded by a circle of glowing light. It looked like a ship of some kind. The kind you might imagine would be a spaceship. Will you take us out there? That's what I came for. This may be the thing we've been looking for. Come on. down the corridors of the Hall of Fantasy. We'll return to our story in just a moment. And now, back to our story. An original tale of fantasy featuring Everett Clark and Carl Grayson entitled Out of the Sky. Four of us stood there at the edge of the clearing. Before us loomed a circular disk, surrounded by a band of eerie luminescence. Put the Geiger counter on, Tom. Right, Major. I'll move a little closer. Don't go any 
any farther, Tom. No, I won't. There's no danger. Look. I'll walk right into it. Stop. Don't go in there. There's no danger. Stop her. Wait a minute. Look. There's no danger. Not to me. Do you see what's happening? Night to frighten you. We are far ahead of you, Earth, man. I was sent here to discover how progressed you Earthmen were. And I find that you are barbarians. I am supposed to return to my planet and report on what I have found. Now I discover that I alone can conquer you. It was the evening of the second day after the ship had blasted off. 
around here. Yes. Yes, I understand. Yes. Move away from the center of the danger point. That's right. The ship has returned? Yes. You'd better get the area commanders ready. That's what I'm going to do. Major Williams, to all area commanders, put plan A into operation. The first side of the ship, notify me, then the air command. They know what to do. signs of radioactivity had reappeared. From where we were, we could hear the reconnaissance planes taking off. The whole camp had suddenly roused itself in the energy of waiting to a concerted ride to find the enemy and destroy it. Carlson here. You have? Where? Yes, yes, I have it. Get in touch with their command right away. They found it. Where? You'd never believe it. The ship has returned to that cleared area in the woods. Probably thought we'd never look there. Let's get up there. We've got to make sure our men are back far enough. What we're going to drop is the most powerful weapon in the world. Has the entire area been cleared? Yes, Major. The men have all been ordered back beyond the danger point. Good. I wonder if the thing inside that ship knows. Yes, I think it does know. Why doesn't that plane get here? The sound is getting stronger. Maybe this is a trap. Maybe that thing knew what we'd do. Perhaps it can destroy everything in this area for miles around. Maybe that was the reason we were allowed to live, so that we could bring in reinforcements. It can destroy a hundred thousand in this. I hear the plane. They only get here in time. What if the blast off? Then we've lost. Supernatural and the supernormal. 
dramatizing the fantasies and the mysteries of the unknown. We tell you this frankly. So if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these imaginative plays, we urge you, calmly but sincerely, to turn off your radio now. My name, Arch Obler. Tonight, a story I enjoyed writing for you because, well, frightening as the thought may be, it could happen. And furthermore, I might speak frankly, my dear Diane, the basic thing wrong with woman is her nose. Let's cut it off. Russell Adams. Then there's the matter of her ears. Look at them. Well? They're, they're, they're too obvious. Cut them off, too. No nose, no ears. Oh, a fine art critic you turned out to be. Oh, is this thing odd? Ruth Adams, I hate you. I think it's the best piece of sculpture I've ever done. Egomaniac. Oh, will you go away? <laughs> Not until I tell my wife how much I adore her. <laughs> about stopping the artistic endeavors for the night and romancing with the old man? Any night. Come on. Out of the veranda. There's a moon. Spoken as Professor Russell J. Adams, instructor of astronomy at our beloved university. <laughs> I don't know a single scientific fact about this moon. It's a special satellite built entirely for romance. <laughs> then it's a date. After you, fair Diane? <laughs> Why do you laugh? Just thinking. It's a good thing we haven't any neighbors, or they'd think we were honeymooning. Ten years and two more weeks. Sweet. Why? For remembering. <laughs> <sighs> Where the sign? It's such a lovely night. Yes. You're very lovely with the moonlight in your hair. Darling. 335 days out of the year, moonlight to me is a, is just a reflected light of the sun. A light interesting only that it may be analyzed spectroscopically. <laughs> but these 30 days of our vacation, Diane. Oh, what a magical change. It's a soft lover's moon hanging in the heavens only to brighten your loveliness. Oh, and people wonder why I can't get excited about Ronald Coleman. Coleman? Who's he? <laughs> Spoken like a true professor. He's a motion picture star. An absolute paragon of romance. Oh, well, perhaps I shouldn't neglect my movie going. Oh, so much I mean. With such paragons to teach one. Mm, you do all right. Oh, Russell. What's the matter? I saw the brightest shooting star. Is that all? The way you gasp, I thought you saw the angel of death himself galloping over those meadows. There's another one. Look, Russell. My dear, for 11 months out of the year, the heavens have my full and undivided attention. Oh, but during this blessed month, <laughs> let the heavens fall, I can't be bothered. I never saw such bright shooting stars. Yes, and another thing, my dear. As the wife of an accredited professor of astronomy, I think it no more than fitting that you give the phenomena that you observed its proper name. Namely, the fall of a meteor. There's another one. And another. Oh, Russ, how bright and beautiful. They travel at such a tremendous rate, the friction of our atmosphere burns them into a fiery vapor. There's more of them. Look, one after the other. I've never seen so many shooting stars. Uh-uh. I mean so many meteors in all my life. Oh, so that's why you wanted me out here. <laughs> you knew about this uh, meteor shower, didn't you? It's one of heaven's free spectacles in this constellation. Every three years, and this happens to be the third year. How frightening. Quite frightening. Those great masses of stone and iron coming from who knows where in interstellar space, traveling millions and millions of miles and 
then going up in such glorious flame, just as they reach the end of their journey. Not all goes to flame. Hundreds of them strike the earth each year. Well, Russell, there's no danger. Oh, no. The probabilities of being struck on the head by that cosmic rubbish is about uh, a thousand times more remote than winning a sweepstake without buying a ticket. Well, look. That one. The brightest of all. Wait, Diane. What's that? I don't know. Something from look the up. sky. It's shooting star. Look out, Diane. Right. All right, dear. Everything's all right. What? How? A meteor. You must have landed out in the field there. Here, let me help you. You all right, dearest? Yes, I, I'm all right. Russ, where are you going? Out there. Where it must have buried itself. Wait here. I'll be right back. No, no. I'm going with you. All right, if you want to. Oh, Diane, what an experience we've had. The one chance in a million I spoke about almost occurred to us. But, but Russ, was it really a shooting star? That explosion like a bombshell? A bombshell of the universe. What will we find out there? A fragment of the meteorite. I but hope... it'll burn. No, no. All of its heat will have been dissipated. Then again, it may have exploded into a thousand minute pieces. I pray to heaven that it hasn't. I'm afraid. No, no. The danger's all over. Ah, uh, here. The moon's so bright. If any of the mass landed, I should be able to find the torn ground where it smashed through the turf. Oh, please, darling. Let's wait until morning. No, no. I must find the thing at once. The moon gives plenty of light. From the brightness of the flash, I'm positive that the meteor landed someplace right in here. I'll tell you... Look! What? The turf, all torn up. This is the place. Russell, are you mad? Get up off the ground. Right here. It must have struck a glancing blow off the brow of a ridge. I've got it. What? A fragment of it. Still warm. See? No larger than a baseball. All that was left of it. That's a... That's a meteor. A meteor, right. All that's left of the meteor that burned and exploded. What a fine. Drop it, Russ. What are you talking Throw about? Throw it away. Come back to the house, please. What... What are you going to do with it? Darling, what's the matter with you? Your face. I... I don't know. I... Somehow I'm afraid for all of us. Afraid? Good heavens, my dear. There's nothing dangerous about this. A mass metal that's 90% iron. Why, it's as harmless as any other piece of metal. Come to the study. I'll show you where the rush of air against the incandescent... Uh, Russ, metal. wait. Huh? Someone's crying. Yes. I'll go and see. It's Helga. Oh, Helga. You poor thing. We forgot all about you. Oh, Mrs. Adams, it was exploding. Now, now. Everything's all right, Helga. What's going on, Diane? Oh, poor Helga. The explosion frightened her out of her wits. Oh, Mr. Professor Adams, we die. We all die. Don't be a the fool. The fire come from the sky and kill us. It kill you and me and everybody. We die. Everybody die. Stop it. Stop it. For heaven's sake, stop that. Take care of it, Diane. Give her a chance or something. All right, Russell. All right now, Helga. Everything's all right. I'm going to get at this meteorite, so please quiet the dumb fool down as quickly as you can. Superstitious idiot. Simple phenomena, and she thinks the world's ending. Simple little meteorite. Iron, a bit of nickel content. Nothing particularly unusual. Oh, Diane, quiet it down, will you? Yes. Yeah. She'll be all right. Mm, you look a little rocky yourself. Here, sit here. She's very frightened. Yeah, and even you, Diane. Well? Well, you've acted so strangely, as if this in that piece of cosmic metal could cause some supernatural ability. What are you going to do with it? Nothing. Examine it. Here. I'll take some of this nitric acid. 
Hmm. Where's that bottle? Huh. Yeah. Now watch closely, and I'll show you that the stone consists of ordinary elements. Iron. Russell. What? This this mark on it. How strange. Hmm. Yeah. Funny I hadn't noticed it before. Circles the entire stone. I wouldn't be a bit surprised that a blow right here would break it in half. Yes, I think I'll try to do that. No, no, Russell. Leave it alone. Good heavens, Diane. Nothing but a stone. All I'm going to do is try and break it along as fissure. Hammer. Oh, yeah. I wonder if the stone break. Almost solid metal. I'll try. By George, it did. Clean in half. <gasps> what? Look. What's inside? Flesh. Oh, Russell. Negative rape protoplasmic. <sighs> no, it can't be. It can't. This is a meteor. It came from out there. There is no flesh. Nothing could live. Russ, look. Huh? It's growing. Growing? Ladies and gentlemen, a shooting star flashes out of the sky and falls to Earth. And in it, something living from out of interstellar space. Yes. If this is the time to take a breath before going on with tonight's Lights Out play, the story of Professor Adams and his wife and the thing from out beyond our world, a meteorite had fallen, and Professor Adams had broken it open, and there was a gray nugget of flesh inside, which, even as the professor and his wife stood watching, began to grow. Faster and faster. Gray flesh. Growing. Russ, I'm afraid. No, Diane. No. Wait. Control yourself. This is something we've got to see, both of us, calmly, so we can tell others clearly what we saw. I'll try. Russ, keep your arm around me. Larger and larger. Listen, the noise as it grows. I hear it. When will it stop? When? Look. Look. Uh, I can't. That horrible gray flesh. But you must see it. Look. It's forming into something. What? A head. It's forming into a head. Oh! How can it be, Diane? Flesh in a meteor growing. Growing into a head. I see it. A head. Horrible head. <gasps> Diane, you heard. Yes. Head without body speaking. Yes, speaking. Russell. You, you hear and and understand me. <laughs> laughing. I laugh at the fear and wonder in your simple little faces. Who, who, who are you? Who, what are you? If I told you, would your little earthlines understand? Tell us, whatever you are. Tell us what you are. What you on earth will soon have for masters. No, 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 wait, Diane. I must know. You thing... uh, What can I call you? Tell me what you mean, you masters. Surely you... Simple little men, 
Do not think that in you creation has reached the ultimate. Oh, gray flesh talking. I'm getting out. You will stay. Russ, I, I can't move. <laughs> nor, nor I. You cannot move. Who are you? Tell us, who are you? You saw how I came. A tiny bit of protoplasm in that meteorite? So I willed myself to be, to reach your earth. You, you came here in that? Through, through space? Through space beyond your furthest conception, earth thing. Many of my people have tried. I am the first to succeed. Then, then, meteors are, are... Are the means we have used to try and reach this haven of plenty. I am the first. Now there will be others. You, you're from another planet? And old world. Old beyond your understanding. A world grown cold in its age. Empty with passing years. We must escape to a young, fertile world. This world. But, uh, but you're only heads. Heads without bodies. Oh, Russ. Russ, I'm so afraid. No, 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 please. I must hear him speak. This that is happening to us is a miracle of all times. Tell me, you there, are you only heads in that world you speak of? Heads. Heads. You see what I will you to see. But what are you? A mind and a will beyond your feeble understanding. As far above you as you are above the apes that still must crawl in your jungle. But, but how can it be that you speak as I speak and understand what I say? Your prattling wearies me. But I tell you this. All that you say, I know. The most profound thought any of you earth things have ever thought is to me as the babbling of children. But now I am hungry. You understand that little thing. Hungry? Hungry? Hungry with a hunger that has driven me over space without ending. Hunger that has brought me here. But, but what do you eat? You will know. What do you, what do you mean? What food could there be here to fill the hunger of such as I? Hunger that would make me entomb myself in metal, flung into space in a hope that chance would bring me through the fire of that air of yours. What food a thing. I don't know. Tell, tell me. Come closer. 
Oh, no. And why, oh, no, earthing. You don't... human? Human. <laughs> you think you crawling worms are human to us. But, but, but if you're man... But we are not man. You are the cattle, and we are the keepers. You raise the cattle for life, and we for centuries have raised such as you on our world for life. But now, as I told you, our world has grown too old and too cold. The herds of you die, and we grow hungry. That is why I am here. We need new cattle. Here there are so many of you. Earth woman. Russell, it spoke to me. We've got to get out of here. Earth. Woman. No, no. Stop it. Don't look at me. Stop it. Come closer. Don't listen to him, Diane. Closer. No, no. Don't move, Diane. Stay where you are. Stay right there. You hear only me, Earth woman. Only you. No, Diane. No. Don't say that. Don't look at that monster, Diane. Closer, Diane. Yes. No. Closer. No, Diane. Stand still. Don't move toward it. Don't. Closer, no, Diane. No, no. Closer. Monster. Not Diane. Diane, I beg of you. Don't go closer to it. Closer. No. Closer. No. I'll kill you. Closer. If I can only get to you. Soon you will move to me as she no. is closer. No. Diane, closer. if I could move. Closer. Diane, closer. I've got to find the way. Closer. The strength to stop him. Diane, you're almost... Closer. I've got to... Closer. That bottle. Magic acid. Closer. The bottle. Yes, close to you, monster. Take this. Pool of flesh. Flesh. That's all. Diane, wake up. Open your eyes. I've killed the thing. I killed it. Oh, Diane, it's all right. Russell, I've killed it. Oh. Diane, look. Outside, it's still dark. Yes, the sky's still streaked with the Russian meteorites. And that thing said more of the monsters of his breed are trying to reach this earth to kill that devil's hunger in them. Another meteorite is just... Well, and in it, perhaps, oh, Diane, 
Diane, is that truly to be in for mankind? Hmm. I, um, uh, Mr. Obler, will the end of the world come that way? Well, Frank, if you mean will the end for mankind come out of interstellar space in the form of a flying meteor, well, there are some mighty interesting theories along that line. The amazing thing about it, Frank, is that there are so many logical and thoroughly possible ways in which the entire tribe of mankind could be wiped off the earth at any moment. I, I'm not talking about famine or what's close to all of us, war. I mean other ways. A star moves into our darkness from somewhere out there in the blackness of interstellar space, and the pull of its presence might turn our spinning globe headlong into the sun. In a split second, all of mankind, all his buildings, wonderful possessions, his precious little pile, would go up in a flash of fire. Or out of the sun itself, the very source of our life, as we all know, could shoot a long stream of explosive flame that would curl around us and again, well, so quickly that no man would know what had happened. In split seconds, this earth would be a charred, uninhabited spheroid. Yes, when one stops to think what a tiny little grain of sand this haughty world of ours actually is in the dark sea of space, and when we realizes how precarious little mankind's hold is on this earth, the spectacle of man's inhumanity to man becomes a cosmic joke. Well, all of those things are certainly interesting to think about, Mr. Ober, but tell us now what's going to happen next week. Next week, balls trees. No, that's not a dance. It's a story of chance. That unpredictable chance that makes one man a saint and the next man a Hitler. The flip of a coin, the turn of a card, the bend of a road. I think you'll like what we have to offer you, but as usual, next week. Lights Out will come to you again next Tuesday at this same time. Be sure to listen to Arch Obler's weird story of Vols Triest. Well, that's the show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror 1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd. I also have a YouTube channel, Terror Radio. Please check it out. Subscribe, like, and share the videos. will be highly appreciated. Also, I want to make a correction. Out of the Sky was first broadcasted on Hall of Fantasy April 20th, 1953, not April 30th. Anywho, I'm your host, Keith, better known as the Radio Show Nerd, signing off. <laughs>